Chinese stocks pulled out of a nosedive overnight after a report Beijing was looking at spending over a quarter of a trillion dollars to support the market. And we find out what changes to the stage three tax cuts in Australia might mean. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in part two of our bonus deep dive interview with ANZ's chief economist for Greater China, Raymond Jung, he explains the deflationary implications of large numbers of unemployed rural workers being stuck in China's cities. It's deflation because the asking price or wage rate of workers are actually coming down and that will have a significant impact on the overall inflation or the deflationary outlook of China. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, China's stock market rebounded from near 20-year lows overnight after a report from Bloomberg that officials in Beijing were considering interventions worth 278 billion US dollars to support the market. China's stocks have more than halved in value overall since the beginning of 2021. The initial reaction to the news was euphoric, and the main index for Chinese stocks in Hong Kong bounced 3.8%. But there wasn't much follow-through, especially from overseas investors who have yet to see signs of substantial stimulus for the real economy in China. Here's ANZ's head of FX research, Marjabin Zaman. China continues to deliver different initiatives and rescue measures, and they are important for restoring confidence, you know, especially in the stock market, which is at multi-year lows. But uh, bottom line really stands on, you know, how they are addressing def- the deflation story and also, you know, the longer-term growth supports. Number two. But that initial burst of enthusiasm about China's stocks did help the Aussie and Kiwi dollars, along with the renminbi. The Aussie jumped more than half a cent late yesterday to a one-week high of 66.12 US cents. But that momentum faded overnight and it's opening at 65.66 at 5am Sydney Melbourne time. The Kiwi dollar had a similar bounce and is opening at 60.70 US cents, having had a high late yesterday of 61.15. Here's Marja Bean again. We have seen a little bit of an upward move in risk currencies, including Aussie and Kiwi dollar, particularly in the Aussie. And that's also driven a little bit by the fact that iron ore prices uh, have climbed. And I think that's on the back of improving steel demand in China, you know, ahead of Chinese New Year holidays in mid-Feb. Number three, Australia's federal government is reported this morning to be on the brink of changing its so-called stage three tax cuts that had been legislated and were penciled in to start from July the 1st. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said yesterday he wanted everyone to get a tax cut, and particularly those on low to middle incomes. The current stage three tax cuts go mostly to those on higher incomes. Albanese's Labour Party is due to hold a caucus meeting today, and he's expected to announce the changes tomorrow. ANZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton, put out a research note yesterday looking at how the current version of the tax cuts are expected to affect the economy, and how any shift in the mix would flow through to saving and spending. Currently, the tax cuts are expected to add around $20.4 billion Australian dollars to incomes this year which is around 0.75% of GDP. But the addition to GDP is more likely to be around 0.4%, because a big chunk of that is expected to be saved by those on higher incomes. Adam says the current version is worth the equivalent of two 25 basis point cuts by the RBA, but a shift in the mix towards lower and middle income earners 
could increase that 0.4% boost for the economy because of relatively less savings. Here's Adam. If more of the tax cuts are spent than we're thinking, then the impact on growth will be stronger than we've assumed. So you might get more than the 0.4 of a percentage point boost to growth from the tax cuts that we're anticipating. Of course, I should say that these tax cuts have been known. They've been factored into our forecast for some time, the RBA's forecast for some time, and the Treasury's forecast for some time. Number four. There is another aspect to the fiscal outlook in Australia, though, which is expectations of extra cost of living relief for those on lower incomes, which Adam says could be worth an additional 0.5% of GDP. So could all these changes on the fly change the timing or trajectory of how the RBA moves the OCR. Here's Adam. We were always expecting that there would be some additional fiscal easing this year. So obviously the stage three tax cuts have been in people's forecasts for a while. uh, So there should be no surprise there, of course. We had been thinking there would be additional cost of living relief announced by the government this year. So that had been built into our, our views as well. So I'm not seeing any change to our cash rate forecast, so that's still an interest rate cut from the Reserve Bank this year, but not until the very end of the year and and November being the most likely point in time for that. Number five. The main data to watch today is December quarter inflation figures in New Zealand. ANZ New Zealand economist Henry Russell is forecasting a 0.6% rise for the quarter and a fall in the annual rate to 4.7%. If non-tradables was to come in at say 6% or above, that would likely significantly increase the risk that they could hike the OCR again in February. But look, that's not our central scenario. Um, We see the risk as balanced around our pick. Um, But on the opposite, if we saw a material downward surprise on non-tradables inflation, that's likely to see the market rally and potentially signal an earlier pivot from the RBNZ than the August we have penciled in currently. Henry Russell there. Now, in part two of our bonus deep dive interview on the problems brewing inside China's workforce, ANZ Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Jung, looks at the deflationary implications. So there's a lot of redundant rural workers in those urban areas, even if the figures don't necessarily record them. So what's that doing for wages and therefore what might it mean for productivity in China? We talk about a huge amount of rural workforce, and this workforce been under employment pressure uh, lately. And totally, we uh, know that many are still waiting for jobs in the urban area, especially with the downturn of construction industry. And construction industry absorbed a lot of uh, rural workers in the past. But now, because of the property downturns and uh, many are looking for jobs and the construction site, uh, many workers also been employed in the service sector. But the retail uh, situation in China is also not great. Uh, service uh, sector is also under severe pressure. The non-manufacturing PMI survey tells us that uh, firms are not really willing to hire additional workforce. And many SME, if they're not being closed or under closure condition, uh, then they are cutting their staff and even the owners, the business owner, need to work as part of the uh, workforce rather than uh, hiring additional workers. So the unemployment condition is clearly the uh, reality of the supply-demand condition. And this excess supply of workers uh, definitely uh, pressed uh, wages 
figures lower. And China has not released the 2023 figures, but in 2022, the private sector is actually seeing a very mild, actually a very slow growth in real wage. It's just 1.7% increase in real wage. That's much, much lower than the GDP growth. And I'm talking about the urban real wage of the private sector. And I can imagine, you know, uh, given the current economic condition, and this uh, wage growth will even be lower. And I won't exclude the possibility that the real wage is actually turning to negative. Uh, we don't know the number yet, but that could be a possibility. Now, if that's the case, that's, that will have significant implication on household consumption because wages is not growing that much. Secondly, is deflation because the asking price uh, or, or asking wage rate of workers are actually uh, coming down and that will have a significant impact on the overall deflationary outlook of China. Raymond Yung there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Wednesday, January 24th. Catch you tomorrow with a deep dive interview with Brian Martin into the Euro, which had its 25th anniversary this month. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.